Show. This is Red Velvet Media, and this is a special edition of the Indie Cafe with my co-host, Spencer Drake. Um, I just wanted to say today we have a really cool show with Jonathan Hyam, who's the curator of music and recorded sound at the New York Public Library for the Performing Arts. Um, I also have my co-host, Spencer, with me. I'm going to bring everyone on. And let's see, hopefully everything works good today. Hello. Spencer, are you there? Hi, Jonathan. Yeah, hi, Holly. Hi, Jonathan. Hey, Spencer. Hello. Hey, guys. So hey, we hey, opened hey. up <laughs> with a really cool Lou Reed song, and uh, Jonathan has um, been curating some really great exhibits at the um, Public Library for Performing Arts in New York City. And um, 
I just wanted to maybe have him introduce himself, Spencer, before we get into any questions. Um, So why don't you, Jonathan, talk a little bit about what you're doing and about the museum and about some of the exhibits that you've done and uh, a little bit about, you know, just filling in our listeners uh, who you are. And, again, this show will be available on iTunes afterwards and also on Red Velvet Media Blog Talk Radio. So, All right. Well, it. thank yeah, thank you yeah. for having me. Um, again, no my problem. name is yeah, my name is Jonathan Hyam. I'm the curator of music and recorded sound at the New York Public Library for the Performing Arts, mm-hmm. which is a facility located on the campus of Lincoln Center. Um, we are part of the New oh, York cool. Public yeah, part of the New York Public Library system, uh, which. Uh, is sort of governs the, the libraries in the Bronx, Manhattan, and Staten Island, and um, there are, and those are the libraries that lend books to everybody. And then we also have research libraries. Uh, I'm I work in one of the research libraries, and ours is obviously devoted to the performing arts. Um, and so I oversee the music division and the recorded sound division. And what that means is uh, if you came to the library here and wanted to check out a book about music, uh, that sort of thing, those collections are here for you to check out, and I sort of help make sure that those are up to date and available to people. And then I also oversee the general mission and and, uh, direction of the Music and Recorded Sound Division. And what that means is we collect the archival materials of musicians and institutions and individuals who have important roles to play in the networks of musical communities out there in the world. So um, in addition to taking care of um, over a million and a half pieces of sheet music and scores, uh, we have another million books or so um, and special collections materials, thousands and thousands of linear feet, so to say, of boxes of rare uh, papers and photographs, letters, oh, cool. musical scores, oh, those kinds cool. of things. Yeah. yeah, and so, so and I, I also oversee yeah. the Recorded Sound Archive, which is one of the largest in the world. We have recordings dating back to the 1880s, and wow. they are, of course, music-heavy, as one might imagine, but it's anything and everything that's been recorded over time. Those are the right. types of things we collect. And right now, the library is spending a lot of um our energy on digitizing and reformatting those recordings that first and foremost are in danger of, um, uh, you know, just degrading um, or Mm -hmm. through obsolescence becoming something we can't play. So we're digitizing the things that are most vulnerable now. We conserve the originals um, and keep them in, in the best conditions possible. Then we take the digital files and we put them into a digital repository, which is, um, the place from which someone could come into the library if they went into a computer, one of our online systems, and clicked on a a recording, for example, um, it would source the uh, file from that kind of repository and ancillary digital assets. So that's the kind of world we're in now. It's crazy, um, Mm -hmm. but it's a lot of fun to be part of. So that's uh, a couple rambling words about the general types of things I do here. Yeah, no, but you also do exhibits as well. Um, Correct. You curate a lot of exhibits, and I know that you've recently had some really cool ones. And yesterday when we spoke, you were I I said you know it'd be really cool to talk about what you're currently working on, what's going on there now, and then 
I know Spencer wanted to talk about the Lou Reed exhibit, and mm-hmm. um, I know that you had a couple other really cool exhibits on Tuscany, and is, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. And or, um, Arthur Russell, the Arthur yeah. Russell papers, yeah. Yeah. I'd love to hear so, about that. Yeah. Well, so let me let me tell you a bit. Um, so yeah, we we do lots of exhibitions here, and and we've got two two gallery spaces in our library and archives uh, here at Lincoln Center, and there are always exhibitions going in there or coming out or just in there, um, and those exhibitions almost always are drawn and created from the archival materials we have here in the library. So that's Uh why, so for example, Arthur Russell, the sort of avant-garde cellist and and producer and and beat maker, um, he... um, uh, his materials are here, and as soon as they arrived, um, that was a, a fun collaboration in that the Brooklyn Academy of Music had recently started a visual arts program, and they were very keen to connect with us and maybe do something with Arthur Russell. So um, we did. We sort of uh, worked together to put on an exhibition that was based on the archival materials we had here, and uh, and that was a lot of fun because... Um, the communities of musicians that worked with in and in in and around New York in the 70s and 80s, uh, the downtown folks, so to say, they all were very close and knew Arthur Russell, if not personally, by reputation. And so many of those folks came out to that. You know, we had an exhibit up at BAM, but it was punctuated with programming, so performances, talks, and things like that. And a lot of people performed and came out to the events. And um, it demonstrated a kind of a key component of the way that we collect and then uh, program and exhibit our materials, which is they're very community-centric. We focus on the, the active communities around those artists or institutions. So that the, the BAM one was a lot of fun. It was a nice way to engage with another institution, especially cross town like that, um, and really brought together a lot of interesting people and drew attention to the kinds of things the library has. We also, um, I worked on a, an exhibition of uh, materials related to the sort of great Arturo Toscanini. He's sort of the iconic oh. maestro of all time and, yeah. and really Amazing. arguably is. Yeah, not yeah. not necessarily sort of just mythically great, but genuinely one of the great musicians and conductors. And we've had his materials for many years, and it's always been a great honor to take care of them. But they're, and and they're vast and very complete. And um, it was the 150th anniversary of Toscanini, and uh, I guess two years ago now. And we well, we very much wanted to celebrate that in conjunction with things around the world. But we had actually had a number of exhibits of his material over time, and, and we're keen not to maybe do the same sort of thing over, just um, pulling out one the wonderful things that hang on the wall as well and all that. So one thing that I've been very interested in doing here at the library is, is when there's an opportunity to to do some, to experiment a little and try new ways to do things, find new boundaries, or try to um, be very transparent and and showing people how an archive works, how a library works, how can we exhibit that as part of our exhibits. So with Toscanini, um, one of the things that, as I mentioned, we the library has been really working hard to preserve and digitize old recordings, um, you know, things that in need of preservation. Toscanini's audio archive is among the great sort of single 
collections of an artist's work and maybe the most complete um, ever of any artist. And, and so it's a very renowned collection, and, and we've spent a lot of time caring for that audio. So I, I thought it might it might be an in, interesting to find a way to um, sort of educate people about how audio-centric Toscanini's collection is and how we as a library go about taking care of old formats and digitizing them. And so we built into the exhibition videos and educational components that showed people, demonstrated how you digitize a cylinder recording from 1900 or how do you uh, you know, transfer a tape or a wire recording, and so that's and and it really fit well within the timeline of Toscanini because he was born roughly about the time or before the first sort of light bulb uh, came into being, and he died having appeared on television. And so when you think about that trajectory of someone who <laughs> who yeah. str- straddled modern technology from you know start to almost uh, you know the internet, and uh, and somebody who 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 had influence uh, in world politics and he was a musician and he was a recording artist so we explored all of that and that was very rewarding and a lot of fun and it um drew a lot of attention not only um to Toscanini but it, the technologies that we have and take care of here at the library and have the privilege to exhibit um and it also was a way of bringing people who may not have known or or had an interest in classical music or Toscanini in particular, but by entering into his world through something that, like a record or a rec- you know a recording or a radio broadcast, which people can relate to, um, was a was a fun and rewarding experience. And maybe uh, the you know the the last quick thing I can mention is uh, when we when mm-hmm. we um, acquired the Lou Reed archive, uh, we sort of had two, we've had kind of two little celebrations that have turned into pseudo uh, exhibits and events. Um, and they, they tend to be timed with his birthday at the beginning of March. So, um, but we, we, the, the archive came to us in 2017 and we wanted to really make a, make a, you know, let people know, like, here's this great, great New York artist, poet, musician, cultural icon here in New York where he should be, you know, free and open to all kinds of people. And uh, so we we did two kinds of things when it first showed up. We wanted to um, get into the archive. Uh, You know, we had a lot of work to do to really organize it in a way that the library would need it organized. So we, we worked as quickly as we could to sort of dive in there and pull out some of the just really fun uh, things that we've come across, things that we knew people might want to see, um, and and had a lot of fun with that, and put things on display, and then we tied it to a couple events. Mm-hmm. We had um, Lou Reed's drones, which is a multi-houred piece of uh, you know gu- guitar feedback built into a system of drones in large spaces. We did that in the main library building, which was a thrill because. You know, there's always something uh, wonderful about making as much noise as possible in a building where you're supposed to often be as quiet as possible. So that <laughs> the kind of joys of archiving um, artists who like sound. Um, and then um, when we finished processing the archive, meaning we made it available and open to the public, that was this past March. And um, we put on, uh, we, we did some displays and we focused on, mm-hmm. uh, and this is a good uh, a good moment too to talk to Spencer. We focused on the anniversary, which also happened to fall this this year, of uh, Lou Reed's 
album New York that came out in 1989. And mm-hmm. one of one of the th- reasons we chose that was, well, there was this great anniversary, but it demonstrated what we knew to be true about um, Lou Reed's archive, which was the, the you know the core of his archive is really uh, it's really the archive of Sister Ray Enterprises, which was his his company that controlled his song you know, his rights mm-hmm. and, and his daily business operations. It's essentially the, the, the bulk of it is, is the archive of a rock and roll company. It's great. And we knew that if we went in there we and we engaged with the album New York, uh, we would find what we did, which was from start to finish, from inception to post-tour, every kind of main document, the artwork, the um, the correspondence between performers and studios, the pay scales, Every day of tour, every you know rider. I mean, it, it's incredible, and um, so we we set that up, and and then we created some playlists of audio of rehearsals and alternative takes for the album, um, and then we finally on kind of the last day we set up that exhibit in a in our smaller gallery, and we used the sound system that we created for the exhibit that had just closed. Um, which was a multi-channel mm-hmm. um, audio system, and we played those tracks from from uh, Lou Reed's New York, and you could sit in there and listen to it. And then we also, the library also created a, a special edition Lou Reed New York Public Library card, um, which has Mick Rock's iconic image right. Um, right. from Transformer on it, and mm-hmm. that's just been super fun. And I mean, you know, I think um, I, I don't know, just just having that kind of Lou Reed's uh, prime '70s face right on your library card is just a a nice thing mm-hmm. to be part of. So, well, I, I so wanted to come, yeah. you know, Johnson. I wanted to come in because uh, I was, as you well know, I met you there and I went to the announcement event at Lincoln Center where Laurie Anderson spoke and uh, a number of other people. Uh, Judith and I were there. I met Laurie and the whole thing. And yeah, and that's where we met, I, I believe. Yeah, and when I and when I saw the uh, New York album under the display case, you and I freaked out. I thought, "That's our album cover. We designed that." And then, you know, what's nice you did. You had the uh, right next to it, we had the contact sheet from Waring Abbott, who shot that cover. I mm-hmm. thought that was interesting. So, you, and you had all these little components in that display case, and that that really uh, that really moved me. I mean, as uh, for us, it was a very exciting thing because we were obviously involved with the album cover, but the whole event was amazing and. Uh, you know, Jonathan, I, Judith and I ran right away to get our library card because it was a long line, and I think it's <laughs> right. a, it was a limited edition, right? It was a limited edition, ten thousand or something like that. That's right, um, and there there's still you know there's still some available for anyone who really in New great York Holly. And, and, yeah. Oh yeah, I need one. Holly, just send one to me. We'll, we'll get one to you, Holly. Thank you good, for good, sure. Yeah. But um, they're fun, and yeah, and we've got some. That would be cool. Yeah, and we've we've got plans uh, down the road here for a, a full scale exhibition of Lou Reed's archive in really? particular. Yeah, um, and you know that'll be probably in 2021. I don't know the exact dates yet. It's just really kind of being formulated. Um, but you know there'll be Lou Reed right up in your face. Uh, let me let me ask you. Uh, I got it, Jonathan. On in your archive, do you have the album covers and 45s, or how far do you go with that with the visualization? It depends on the project, um, and I would say on the projects from really, well, really his Hi, solo, career, yeah, his solo career forward. Um, it Hello. depends on the project, but there is going to be 
lots of artwork, but it's not complete depending on on the album. Okay. Yeah. Excuse me one minute, guys. Sure. I have a call calling in. I have no idea who it is. I'm going to bring them on real quick to see who it is. Okay. Um, six four six, you're on the air. Who's this? Sylvia. Sylvia, Hi, Sylvia, Sylvia what's Reed. going on? <laughs> yes. Hi. Hey, hello. <laughs> Hi. There we go. There we go. <laughs> yeah. I I got hey, Sylvia, I tried message. to I tried to I tried to uh see who it was and I wasn't sure it was you. How are you, Sylvia? It's Holly. I I'm good. Uh hello Holly. Hello Spencer. Great, I'm glad you're here on our show. <laughs> nice to meet you on the yeah. phone, Jonathan, or yeah, yeah, via I the mean, radio airwaves. <laughs> I can't I can't hold back. I have to tell you that um in my experience going through this archive, one of the great heroes is Sylvia. It right. <laughs> on, the period when she was taking care of things for Sister Ray is it's just some of the best record keeping and most uh thoughtful and careful work and it's it, it's it's evident and it's driven the way that archive is organized. And my That's favorite very thing kind. <laughs> No, my favorite thing is is you use that little red star ink stamp um, throughout <laughs> paperwork to sort of recognize, you know, whatever you were approving or whatever. And and when I learned that, it just sort of made me smile because it's well, it's a we, it's a sort of hidden signature throughout the collection. <laughs> it was it was a, a long um, process to sort of get things um, organized and you know to sort of gradually understand that some of this archival work was going to fall to me naturally. Uh, of course, you know, yeah. You just watch, when you watch things, you know, the music scene and the music business can be a little chaotic, but um, eventually when I realized the importance of preserving things and keeping things in order, and that's why, you know, a lot of what was developed uh, and then, you know, Blue also became very um very precise. He wanted very precise kinds of of work presented to him in terms of like call logs and lists and where things were at because he was you know he he had been through a lot of the the music business where other people are making decisions for him. So mm-hmm. he had a very sensitive you know sore spot there, and he wanted to be sure that he was on top of permissions and things like that. So he sort of mm-hmm. you know uh, let me know how important it was to make sure that he understood each decision that was made and why and, you know, that we sort of had reference points. So. Oh, wow, interesting. And, you know, I, if I could ask, it, it, sort of apocryphally, um, when you look in the archive, there's often this sort of thought, oh, well, he clearly was the son of an accountant. Now, is that <laughs> is, is that play into it, or is that just kind of a coincidence? Because it's, it's very meticulously kept every receipt. You know, it's just it's a really incredible model for how to take care of your stuff. <laughs> so, well, it's funny because you know he, you know, there were years when he that was the opposite of how things were for him. Yeah. But once he became, you know, clean and sober, it, <laughs> lo and behold, you know, revealed underneath all of that uh, was a, a an accountant's kind of, you know, personality. He really wanted, you know, all the T's crossed and I's dotted, and and he had a love of craftsmanship. And all of this was something that could be revealed after all that alcohol and drug stuff was out of the way. And, yeah, he was a pretty demanding about, and, and rightfully so, you know, because really artwork should be treated with the same respect uh, 
that other kinds of records are, and it's always very helpful for people who are going to study, you know, his work, and certainly left a great. Body I, I wanted work. to I wanted to yeah. tune in now because I, I've got to bring up something that uh, is very important. Sylvia designed mm-hmm. New York Magic and Lost with me and Judith, and uh, I wanted to tell the people out there that Sylvia Reed not only was the wife of Lou, but she amazing creative person. She was nominated for a Grammy on Songs for Drella, um, and work with us, and we've done had some awards, and uh, she was part of it. And also, um, uh, I just wanted people to know that Sylvia is not only the wife of Lou, but she was a very, and is still, a very creative person. Who's working with us, by the way, we're doing a Art of Vinyl cover show, which will be on YouTube in the fall. And we have the New York album and Magic and Lois chosen as one of the, two of the pieces in the show. That'll be on YouTube permanently. So I want to tell you that, Sylvia and Jonathan. And um, I just, but that's my note is because people don't realize that Sylvia was also a major creator. Right, Sylvia, you worked with Lou on a lot of creative yes. stuff. <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of collaboration because he knew, you know, to keep me, to keep me doing all the uh, nitpicky, everyday, tedious, you know, record keeping and uh business stuff you know was i i was in the the de facto manager for a long time and in order to keep me happy doing that he knew he'd throw me these little creative crumbs like oh okay well you can do the album cover or whatever yeah i i I don't uh want to hire any uh lighting designer why don't you do it you you work with Mm -hmm. you know and so i got to do a lot of fun things because um you know he'd throw it my way as you know, a way to keep me involved in all the other stuff. Keep and you busy. He, yeah, and he, and he came, you know, busy. he didn't trust that many people. Mm-hmm. So, you know, mm-hmm. when it, he'd rather do something where he knew I was going to work like a fiend until it was something that he totally was behind and, and pleased him, you know. So, um, uh, I also want to bring in one more thing. Jonathan, did, uh, did you know about Anthony DeCurtis's book, Lou Read a Life, which... Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. Myself and Chris I mentioned briefly, but Sylvia, big time in the book. That's one of the best books that we're in or I've read about Lou. It's a major, a major book, right, Sylvia? Yes, it's quite a quite a good one. Um, yeah. I think probably the best written of the ones that have come out so far. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, Jonathan, did you I've, have any questions you wanted to ask? Yeah, go ahead. No, no, I was just going to say it's it's been fun um, opening up this archive because it's pulled together just such a like, broad community of people who who were in, in Lou Reed's world. And what's been great is while many of those folks, of course, know one another or know of one another, they don't necessarily have a direct relationship with each other. So it's, it's been this kind of really cool community of, of interested curious people and professionals and filmmakers and everybody's coming in and, and kind of getting to um, getting to sort of mix out in the reading room. It's kind of a strange phenomenon, but it's wonderful. So um, that's all to say that there's so many, so many wonderful people that are tied to this, to this particular archive. And it's been a pleasure to get to yeah, meet to and talk one. to so many. Yeah. And, uh, Holly, uh, do you see went, that? Uh, do you see that in any is, of your I'm other sure. exhibits, Jonathan at all? Do you see that well, in any of the other ones you've done? Yes, and I mean in? that it's what we it's what we strive for really is to sort of do justice 
again, to mm-hmm. the, the subject of any of our archives, be it an individual or an idea or a moment in mm-hmm. time, um, is always sort of driven to include as many of, of the the individuals and institutions involved and bring oh, them together. Great. So, yeah, so for example, the one, and, and um, we'll talk more about it at the end, but the I mentioned that we we played 1980. Uh, sorry, we played New York from 1989 on a set of speakers that were designed for an exhibit that had just closed. And that exhibit was something called Sounding Circuits, and it celebrated the relationships um, between Bell Labs, which has had this uh, sort of experiment, has a history of experimental mm-hmm. electronics music, Um, Columbia Princeton Electronic Music Center, which was an early electronic Mm -hmm. music center set up in the 50s, Um, the New York Public Library, which takes care of the archives of a lot of so-called electroacoustic electronic composers, and then um, the composer-performer Pauline Oliveros, who passed away a couple years ago, who was tied with these folks, and we, we were... The, we have the archives of these places. We were connected with these other institutions. We brought everybody together around this exhibit. We each put materials in it, and it brought this community of people together um, for the first time in a, in a publicly celebrated setting. And it turned into like a th- it was like a Thanksgiving for for months wow. um, mm-hmm. of people who who hadn't connected before, new new folks learning new things, and older folks being delighted to see each other. And that's what we strive for: is to kind of demonstrate the the you know vitality of these community historical communities that still resonate with us mm-hmm. today with each exhibit yeah that's kind of cool i know your background is british music and also black mountain from black mountain college um and other things you you are very interested in british popular music right well yeah i i mean i um my background um in it, you know academics is I have a musicology degree and and so I've always fostered multiple interests like most musically curious people but I focused a lot of like my dissertation work and advanced work on Black Mountain College the experimental oh, wow. um, progressive mm-hmm. school in North Carolina in the 30s 40s and 50s and I was very interested in the European modernists who settled there who had to flee Europe during the war so so I I was mm-hmm. always interested in sort of the mixing of of um, musical cultures in America, but I also just had a sort of, as a side thing, a, a love for British uh, popular music. So I, I sort oh, yeah. of started doing some work there for fun and 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 do a little writing there. But um, now I'm I'm notably generalist because I have the privilege of taking care of music from all time periods and all over the place. So, but those are my my that's core so cool. areas. Yeah, oh, that's great. Yeah, no, that's great. That's really, really cool. Um, what are currently on exhibit at the museum right now? Well, so right now we're actually um, inst- installing two exhibits that will be opening uh, in the fall or late summer. Um, mm-hmm. Summer, actually, for one of them. But the uh, Jerome Robbins Dance Division, which is the foremost uh, you know, center for the study of dance in the world, my colleagues down the hall, um, they're celebrating a, a anniversary year, so they're having a sort of a, a highlights of the history of their own division that opens up soon, and then um, the theater division, my co- colleagues down the other hallway, 
um, take care of the archival collection of Hal Prince, the great Broadway producer. And oh, wow. there's a big Hal Prince yeah. exhibit that's going to open up in our big gallery. And those are always fun. I mean, he's very Fantastic. close with the, with the staff here and just such a, mm-hmm. you know, towering figure um, that that, too, will, of course, bring a lot of people together. So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, so those are those are what's coming up in in the fall. We have a uh, what we've started to do now is we we our smaller gallery, which is still a good sized gallery. We um we've been using for more experimental programs. So and those those happen a little more uh, organically. So in November we'll have some some things. I'm not sure what they're going to be yet, um, but the, those will kind of happen a little more quickly. And and usually again, yeah, we try and do something more experimental in our gallery. So maybe performances in there or different kinds of media environments. Oh how cool. Yeah, this last year oh, we turned cool. turned the gallery into just a listening room for for a few weeks, uh, I guess for six weeks, mm-hmm. and we set up beam bat. It was like the world's greatest dorm room. We put in some fun lights. Oh, how great! You know, we put in a rug and a bunch That's of bean bags, and we just mm-hmm. set up a nice sound system, and we played um, mm-hmm. on loop recordings that were from. You know our collections here at the library, archival recordings that you can't really listen, you can't oh, copy great. or listen to outside of. So with Arthur Russell, we played a whole bunch of uh, recently digitized stuff that no one had ever heard before, oh, just on loop for a week. Um, so and then mm-hmm. students came in, people came in. It was just a safe place for um, people to gather um, and share an experience out in the open. So much, so, so much of our musical. Um, uh, contact, you know, these days is through headphones or earbuds and whatnot, and there's right. pluses and minuses. But one thing's for certain is that it doesn't necessarily connect you with the person next to you who's also listening to something. So we uh, wanted to sort of Jonathan, break that down. Uh, yeah. Jonathan, how yeah, does definitely. people on the outside connect with your events? Is there a way of knowing yeah, what's going on? Yeah, let's the website really quickly. Yeah, so, okay. You have a website that has all the events on it. We yep. do, and I'll be upfront with the world. Like our website isn't isn't super awesome in terms of accomplishing what you need. It's getting better, and it's going to be revamped. But if you go to nypl.org, and you there's an events tab, um, and you can kind of navigate your way through those events. It's like a it's it's like a lot of institu- presenting institutions and whatnot that. Sometimes finding the events is easy and sometimes it's tough, but that's where you can go and really you can put search terms in if you're interested in like music even or you know events recorded sound and and it'll filter through. We also uh, I want to tell you, Jonathan, mm-hmm. I've okay, been to a number of NYPL events in the past uh, that was yeah. held at the library, and uh, I'll tell you several. Uh, the 1993 Velvet Underground reunion with Maureen Tucker and Lou. Yeah. I went to the David mm-hmm. Byrne event. The Pete Townsend event, uh, uh, Brian Uno, who I work with on Octung Baby YouTube. Oh, right. Uh, yeah. And mm-hmm. McRock. And I met you, I first met you at McRock. I remember that. I That's right, yeah. It, that, that was a smaller event. Which event but, um, was that? Which event, which event was that? One time that ago, how? Yeah, it was a while ago. It was yeah, several years ago. Yeah, he's done oh, a few. Okay, but, yeah. But um, I think it might have been some a, sort of a book signing or book yeah. talk book. interview Transformer. thing. I think it was Transformer. Um, yeah, he Transformer was interviewed book. by... Transformer book. That wasn't yeah, too was, long ago. Yeah. No, it wasn't too long ago. Yeah. He was okay. interviewed by Mick, uh, by David Frick, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, my we've God. Had that Mick, was I've had Mick on yeah. the show quite a few times. Yeah, he's yeah, great. Yeah, we've had him on, both of us. Both of us have mm-hmm. had him on. 
the thing yeah, about he's wonderful. Um, oh yeah. So uh, the thing about I'm trying to bring in something here, but but we uh, the shows are. I mean, they, their events are really great there. I mean, there's some really great events. There's there's so much going it's on, great and venue. you know you've got. Yeah, I mean, yep. you've got the main building, the Schwartzman building, the 42nd Street, everyone, the one with the Lions. Um, you've got the Schaumburg Center in Harlem, which is just fantastic what goes on up there and, and what we do here at Lincoln Center. We all do programs all year. I mean, my our our building alone does at least 200-plus free public programs in our auditorium throughout mm-hmm. the year. And, um, you know, it's very it's wonderful to work in a in like a public institution because we we all no matter how hard we keep them in check or not we all have assumptions about people and the free access and public programs we have for people um constantly mm-hmm. breaks down your assumptions sometimes it reinforces them but often we don't give the stranger down the hall um enough credit for just being a curious, mm-hmm. smart human. You know, we just don't. And and so right. it's always a treat to see that and, and, and see people being curious and, and sharing their knowledge and, and surprising you every day. Um, and those oh, programs yeah. bring that out, yeah. How do, how does you know, I want to ask you really quickly what you're going to be archives, doing in December. Don't... Hello? I'm sorry. I'm sorry, I cut in. I'm you. sorry, Holly. But, uh, no, that's uh, Okay. Oh no no no! I wanted to ask Jonathan. Jonathan, what are you planning on doing in December um, for the holidays there? Oh, for the are you going to bring in anything special? Yeah. You know, in the holidays actually, we, we tend to um, de-emphasize certain things because everybody's so exhausted mm-hmm. from all the stuff going on. By the time we get to the holidays, um, uh, we you know we we tend to have maybe we don't make usually big announcements or have big events right around like December and things like that, but we do heat up Mm -hmm. like right about to December 15th or so. There's always a lot going on. Um, And it, it made me think what one place I'll direct people, you know, the website is you can find events there, but I would encourage people who are also more local to go into one of the bigger libraries and, there's there's pretty good sort of published types of brochures and catalogs that have all the events. I sometimes find those easier to navigate. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of like having a menu at Denny's with all the pictures. It just saves you a little, <laughs> little work. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, but, I mean, you know, it's just that there, there's a lot of different places to find find the information. And so we're just putting together our fall calendars, and, and I'm, uh, I think we'll see then exactly what, what comes right. down and in November. Um, how, how do you get yeah, people I'd love in to the see archives? What comes down. How, yeah. how do you collect the archives, Jonathan? Is it do you choose things yeah. or do people send Boy, you things? Where do you source it's, them from? And, yeah, it, exactly. it's 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 really it's a combination um, of primarily two two avenues. Um, one is I'm when it comes to archives, um, we really col- like we have certain areas that tend to be collecting strengths or certain areas that we want to you know build up. And so I've kind of got a list a, a list of materials or artists or institutions or record labels or what have you that I'm interested in in approaching either now or at some point in the future to talk about 
uh, archiving, whether it's here or not. It's you know my job is to support the communities I have. So, um, so I've got kind of a list um, that I I sort of find ways to prioritize, and it's usually practical. And I contact folks and and engage that way, and hopefully something works out. Um, the other route is that we we get contacted by somebody, and they have you know these things happen probably equally. And then the person that contacts us, we engage in that way. Um, the library, sometimes something's donated, sometimes it's purchased. It just depends on the nature of the materials. Of course, mm -hmm. we can't always talk about purchases and things, but they happen, of course. That's that's one way to get things. I, I wanted to tell you that I do have Lou Reed. I think I mentioned you a while ago or emailed you. Mm -hmm. I do have, if you need, I have Lou Reed pictures that are in transparency form. You know what I'm saying? If, yeah, we talked about that. That's individual. really interesting. Whenever you yeah. get back to me, if you need it, you know. Okay, you thanks. There's a little background noise going on. Who's making background noise? It's cutting out my <laughs> mic here. Where um, is it? Who is it? Who is, is it? it? Me? Okay. I don't know. I, I don't. Anyway. So. I don't. Okay. I'm, I'm still listening. It's stuff. So <laughs> it's stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's stuff. But um, you know. To Spencer's point, he just reminded me that he, you know, had these transparencies. Um, that so, and and to your point about archival acquisition with Lou Reed in particular, um, I think the, the nature of his archive and his place in society and the world he worked in was that there are quite a few people out there that Lou Reed's archive coming to the library also introduced them to the notion of an archive, like that that happens, mm. that that's something people mm. do, and that's something a major yeah. artist would do. And yeah. it's been nothing but a positive process because all of a sudden there are all kinds of people who have started to reach out to be like, hey, this is exciting. You know, I took pictures at, at these oh, shows, yeah. or I have this, right. and I'd love to give them to the library. And, like, yeah. it's just yeah. fascinating to see how generous people can be um, when they feel as if they're part of something. And um, mm -hmm. it's mm -hmm. been it's been great because it's also those things, you know, everything moves a little bit slowly here, but as those as we start to think about those, those types of offers and stuff, we start to find – all kinds of things that complement what's already in the archive, the, the sort of holes or areas mm -hmm. that aren't particularly well represented in Lou's or anybody's for so that it's matter. Well rounded. Yeah. Yeah, yep. we can really Absolutely. start to like it. Be, it mm -hmm. becomes a core um, that mm -hmm. uh, that attracts other things. You know, I don't want to go down the pun lane, but it's you know satellites oh, sort of sure. appear and and um no. and I think uh, it, that's one of the joys. Of it. Again, that's that's a community thing because these people are now connected and and um, uh, it's just it's it's a lot of fun to see how that happens. Right. Right. Oh sure. You know, I wanted to say really quickly that Spencer and I have a friend in common that collects antique toys. Denny, is it Denny? Um, he does oh. it on Coney Island. And he has... Oh, yeah, um, Denny, yes, you know? Denny, right, Denny. And, uh, yeah, he's he got incredible... Old, Holly, Holly Bruce, oh, God, this guy antique. has incredible stuff. Yeah. Incredible stuff, right, I think Holly? it's a really cool exhibit. He's got you know, a lot right. of things that make sound, old record players, um, I'm going mm -hmm. to put you in contact really with him, great. Jonathan, because yeah. sure. he would be really That's somebody incredible. I think that would be really cool for you to maybe do, or or maybe he could help with an exhibit that you want to do, because he's got a lot of old um, pieces of things that make sounds, old record players, old cameras, right. old 
everything that's antique and um, that was involved in sound. He's got some of the original sound yeah. recordings that were and, used and, and also in cartoons. He goes around, Jonathan? travels around with his yeah. show, what Holly. Sensor? You know, Jonathan, he travels around with the show. He goes to different places to the school. and he does events. Yeah. With it, you know what I'm saying? Right well, now, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We'll put him in touch. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. I'll get in touch with mm-hmm. Denny now, and I'll That's make great. sure I That's give great. him your information. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be. I could see great. that being a really cool exhibit. That's great. Something Holly. that, that um, great. Yep. would yep. be really cool, and it would yep. open up something for, you know, the public to be able to see it on a bigger level. Um, yeah. Well, we also we're, we're very um, yeah. keen on engaging with with students and younger students, and we. Uh, mm-hmm. Whenever we can find something that we can the kind school. of yeah. bring them in and, and feature something here, it's always, uh, you know, something we like to do. So, yep. Oh, that would be great. Great. Well, you know, we're getting near the end of the show. Is there anything else that we want to cover on the show itself? Um, I know Sylvia's still here um, and Spencer, and we talked about all the other exhibits and about the Lou Reed exhibit. Um, did we want to cover anything else, Spencer? I don't know. I think we've covered about, uh, in my head, mm-hmm. I, I think we've covered a lot of the important things in my head. Um, I want to thank and, Sylvia you know, for calling in, too. Yeah, thanks, Sylvia. And yeah. Yeah. Holly, I made sure Sylvia had a link to the show. So, I, you know, oh, it was sure. good that we connected because she's got to be on the show. Absolutely. She was it's a real pleasure mm-hmm. to have uh, listened to Jonathan. Archival work is so important. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, anyone that takes it on should be celebrated. So thank you. And right. I also have my Lou Reed library card, which is. All right. Oh, yeah. Great. Good. <laughs> <laughs> and Jonathan, I'll be in touch with you. I want to get one. I didn't no, get yeah. You have to Please send one to me. Yeah, that that would they're, be really cool. They're and, a lot of fun, so I, I'm I'm glad. Make sure you get something. Yeah. Yep. Now you know you sent me a piece of music. Um, we opened up Sylvia, by the way. I'm not sure if you listened to the beginning of the show with Waves of Fear. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I wanted to let everyone know that tuned in late that the show will be available afterwards on iTunes and also on Red Velvet Media Blog Talk Radio. Um, we will not be on next Friday because it's the 3rd, I believe, the day before the 4th of July. Oh, wait, no, it's the 4th of July weekend, the 5th, excuse yeah. me, the day after. So we will be taking a little bit of time off. And, and I, I, um, Holly, we'll, let me let me bring in something. Uh, we're going to have the week after. Like we're going to have a, a very famous yeah. record executive, Ron Alexenberg, who is very historic. Yeah, in music Ron. On mm-hmm. our show. Yeah, so that'll be cool. That I, he would be me fantastic. Up, yeah, yeah, he hooked us up with the Beach Boys, Judith and I, to design for them, and he, mm-hmm. a lot of major groups that were signed to CBS and Sony. That's great. So yeah, he's going to be on after. That's really cool. Well, I hope everyone has a, a safe and um, fantastic Fourth of July, however you decide to celebrate it. And uh, it's always Friday, so I always like to end our shows with "Please Don't Drink and Drive." And uh, Jonathan, you um, picked a really um, unique piece of music to end with called "A Bicycle Built for Two. Yeah, tell me um, a little bit about that. Well, I picked this. I just wanted to, uh, again. Um, I picked the opening 
the waves of fear because I mean it's a wonderful song, but I think uh one one of the things that to me has jumped out of Lou Reed's archive is and just listening to him over years is that sound and and the quality of the sound and the timbre of the sound and the power of the sound um seems to have been mm-hmm. so important and so integral to his music and his thinking and oh. and and I just it always pulls me in and that's one of the most just sort of engulfing and quine on the guitar and those crazy sounds it's just such it's so sonic it's so sound oriented and I I'm only emphasizing that because I mentioned the, a couple times that we we played um, uh, selections from New York on this this multi-track sound system in the gallery space, and one of the things that were featured in that exhibit um, prior to featuring loose stuff on, in the Sounding Circuit exhibit was um, the first sort of electronic or digitally synthesized voice, and it's this piece, Bicycle Built for Two, or Daisy Bell. And it was created, mm-hmm. he started working on it in 1957, a, a guy named Max Matthews, who was out at Bell Labs. Um, mm-hmm. And this 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 sound, this song you'll hear is actually, um, you know, Arthur C. Clarke, who, who, who wrote, you know, 2001, A Space Odyssey, yeah. was wow. out Bell Labs, and he heard this particular song, and that sort of inspired Hal um, in the, oh in the film that, and then, that Kubrick would make. So I just thought it's, such, it's a sound piece. It was played on the system that we played some Lou Reed. It's something a little different. And it's just mm-hmm. a lot of – it's a fun way to go into the weekend. So um, I thought yeah, I'd no. share that with you. That's great. And I wanted yeah. to tell everyone, you mentioned Hal, and I wanted to tell everyone, if you ask your iPhone, if you ask Siri on your iPhone about Hal, yeah. Hal was her boyfriend. I'll tell you okay. that Hal made some very bad decisions, and then if you ask her to, if you say, Hal, please close the pod doors, she'll say, I don't want to talk about Hal. <laughs> it's very funny. Well, well listen, but, yeah. uh, Holly, I'd like to add something. Sylvia, are you there? Yes, I am. I'm still okay, here. Okay, tell us, uh, John gave us really great feedback. I wanted you to give us some feedback of how Lou looked at sound and recording. Your view, yes. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah, part of what was so fascinating about his early work in the Velvet Underground, if you remember, they often like to tell the story of how the engineer would just turn the dials up and leave the room because in his view they were completely unprofessional and they were making this wild noise. You know? uh, but And later, after Metal Machine Music, which is an album I know a lot of people have been rethinking and reappreciating, from what the first assessments of it, uh, and and he evolved into this real audiophile. And it's interesting that Jonathan mentioned Bell Labs because, you know, Lou, uh, if he if he researched anything, it was in this field. Uh, and when I was with him during the recording of uh, uh, Bells, uh, the um, uh, the album in which he recorded in Wilster, Germany, which was the first experiment in binaural. And I don't know if you're all aware, binaural sound was a a German-designed concept where the, because we hear things in stereo, because we have two ears, so they designed a a head with two microphones in place of where the ears would be and used that to record to somewhat Mm. simulate a more natural uh, appreciation of sound in the way that we actually hear it in the natural world which was something that fascinated Lou. 
So, you know, and he launched from there into other audio techniques. Uh, and it was just a real field for him uh, that he enjoyed, that uh, sustained a lot of what he appreciated about sound. And he, it was really fascinating to talk to him about microphones, for example. Um, you mm-hmm. know, he appreciated the producers that did Al Green, uh, things like that. He could talk about that for hours. So yeah, he was. Uh, this was something very important to him that uh, Jonathan I also obviously wanna, picked up on. Yeah, I want to add also that um, uh, I, Sylvia and I went to this uh, punk, the punk poster Spencer, show at Mad Museum. Spencer, could you check your email real quick? Spencer, yeah, a Mad Museum show quick, um, at uh, uh, at uh, in New York, and in that show I have a Ramones poster. But besides that, there's some Lou Reed posters in the show and Sylvia has some I know has great stories about that you know what I mean but uh that's a show to see in New York uh, I just wanted to bring that up and lose lose posters are in it it's in New York going on right now Oh that's great where is that It's at uh remember we had the Mad Museum on last week uh you know Mad Museum Right absolutely uh, Yeah uh, Columbus mm-hmm. Circle in New York and it'll be there till August 18th and it's a wonderful okay. show, right, Sylvia? You saw it. You, you went with me. Yes, Museum of Art and Design. Yeah, I've seen really it. I've seen show. it. Everyone definitely go. The Mad yeah. Museum. Yeah, we want to give big kudos out to Wendy. I talked to her today and yeah. uh, sending her all that information over that yep. we wanted Great to job. give her for some of the oh, museums nice. in LA and on the West Coast. Right. Um, That's very nice. But too. yeah, Thank definitely. You. So. We are going to end our show now. Is that okay, Spence? Did you have anything more you wanted to add? Oh, no, I'm sorry. That, that's it for me. <laughs> What's up, Doc, okay. you know? <laughs> no, well, no, no, no. Thank, yeah, thank you so much uh, for, for having being here, me. Jonathan. Yeah, my pleasure. Yeah, no, nice, we nice loved it. And Great. loved having Sylvia here as well, you know, talk about the Lou exhibit. I mean, she lived it, so it's very much a part of her life. Um Yes, wonderful Sylvia, to you're be part of it. Working. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you guys for listening, and we will be back after um, next weekend. And with that, we're going to play Bicycle Built for Two. And, again, um, that was Jonathan, you're the curator of music and recorded sound at the New York Public Library for the Performing Arts. So down there, guys, and see Jonathan and see some of these cool exhibits that he's got going on. Anytime. And with that, Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Jonathan. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.